0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Vigilance Press podcast. Today I have an old friend of the Vigilance Press. We have Chris Rutkowski in the studio today, the virtual studio.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: Chris, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm great, thanks.
0: For those of you who haven't heard Chris on the show before, uh, it's been a while since we've had you on. You've been working on a couple of different projects. You have uh, uh, yes. are perhaps best known for Bash uh, Ultimate Edition, which is a superhero role-playing game. But you've also been working on the Honor and Intrigue role-playing game.
1: Yeah, Honor and Intrigue actually uh came out at, uh and over the summer and it it won a uh judge's spotlight award for 2012 for the ENEs this year which, you know, totally knocked my socks off, but oh,
0: Nice, nice.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. So it's out and it's it's doing pretty well.
0: Cool. Yeah, I was uh flipping through it again to re- refresh my memory before the podcast and I really like the artwork and the layout on that one. That's a, it's it's got a very nice classic RPG feel to it, but it's it's still very readable. It's not uh, it's not as opaque as some of the old classic RPGs were. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, before we get too much into Honor and Intrigue, I will want to come back to that. But um, I want to talk to Chris a little bit about Bash because right now you've got a Kickstarter running uh, called yeah. Awesome Powers. Yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about this. Why, why the Kickstarter?
1: All right. Well, um, this was an idea that um, uh, for the, for a bash supplement that that I began working on a few years ago, and it's it was something that I I d- did a lot of outlines and things and, and developed uh, partially, but. It was such a. It was going. To, it, I realized it was going to be such an, a large project that I kept doing having other things uh, that I needed to. That I either felt, well, this is small, so I'll finish this first, or uh, projects that where I um, thought, well, this is a really this this thing might be more uh, of a big project, so I'm going to. Uh, make sure I get it finished before I start another big project. So, for instance, Honor and Intrigue, I end up finishing before, uh, putting my effort into that before finishing doing Awesome Powers fully. And so uh, what this Kickstarter is about is it's for it's to fund uh, the development of the line. So Awesome Powers, number one. Uh, volume one, which features six power suites, uh, the elemental power suites, was uh, released in PDF form on RPG Now. And what this Kickstarter was to for is to f- or is for is to fund the development of the line. So originally, all I was, I, I, all I wanted was uh, three hundred dollars to basically pay for the art and, and so on for. Just the first, just for a, um, to, to make it 15, uh, to, to develop 15 power, su- uh, 15 power suites. So it was to develop it out to only, up uh, to a mere six volumes. Uh, right now we've hit enough stretch goals that we are, um, at the $2,000 mark, we, uh, hit the, uh, a limited edition print run for it that's gonna feature volumes one through fifteen. So uh that's gonna be thirty-five power suites. So it's extended from fifteen to thirty-five uh oh, power awesome. suites. When we hit three thousand dollars it will extend to forty power suites and seventeen volumes. Very cool uh, but yeah, volume one is is a little bit big. Volume one has six power suites in it. Most of the volumes will have two to three and there'll be obviously less expensive as well um so
0: so for people listening listening, um let's let's jump into here real quick um what is a power suite and and how does it relate to the bash superhero role-playing game Uh, bash is is a is a point buy game right where you yes you buy your powers and and describe for us what what is a power suite and how is it going to help a player
1: Okay, so uh, as is Bash, as you said, is a a point-by-game system, and it's an effects-based game system. So uh, a person who uh, makes a character might have some kind of uh, thing like that they shoot lasers or they have a, a katana or they have some kind of claws or something or fire blasts. But all of those powers are built with the same tool, uh, called Special Attack, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what what some pe- players have as a challenge with effects-based games is that because the really the only limit is your own creativity, it's hard to necessarily for people to come up with ideas sometimes for what they specifically want. So what this is, the, uh, this would be uh, a power suite, is a collection of powers that are specific, specifically written up uh, that all have to do with a certain theme. All right? So pow, fi, there's a fire suite that all the powers in that suite have to do with fire superpowers. Now, a number of those powers in that suite might be attacks, but they're different types of attacks. So there might be a fireball power or a flame weapon power or a um, flame jet power power or a heat ray power and they're all related to that fire suite so for example when you're making your character let's say you decide you want a character who is fire based you have this list of powers that are all specified of what they do right Uh, that are fire based powers so if you want some kind of fire attack one person might take a character that he can light himself on fire and fly around and do fire blasts and another person uh, making a fire character might be some kind of fire god that uses a, a flaming sword or something, and they're they're use, both using the same toolkit, the awesome powers, but they're able to arrive at very different characters, even though they come from the same power suite. Now, uh, the, these power the power suites. Uh, are helpful so that the, they'll help people kind of have these pre-made, already figured out powers that they can just plug into their characters and just drop them in. They're already made. They don't have to be figured out the way that uh, the powers exist now, which some people like doing that, that work, the figuring it out. But other people want to have powers that are either pre-made that they can drop in or just to look at for ideas.
0: Absolutely. One of the things that uh, I find useful from kind of like a shopping list approach like that is being able to flip through. Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll have a really solid idea for a character that I want to do, and then sometimes I'm not really sure what I want to play, and I'll like want to flip through the different powers and see examples of, of things that I haven't tried yet. And that'll give me an opportunity to go. Oh well, hey, here's an idea for a flaming sword. Maybe I'll build a character around that, and then yeah. you, can, you can take just you know some idea and spin it out. So I mean, they're great for just you know inspiration.
1: Yeah, and if you're if you want re- some inspiration, you uh, or you don't or you want to not decide for yourself, there's uh, random power creation is another part of this uh, project. So. Uh, There are tables where you can roll at random to get random powers. Uh, Each power suite is divided up into three categories, offensive, Mm -hmm. defensive, and utilitarian. Mm -hmm. So uh, you could roll on this thing, and for example, you might say decide at the very beginning, I want to make a fire character, but I don't know what fire powers I want, and roll on the list, and you'll come up with a nice selection of fire powers. But you could also say... I want to be more random than that. I will leave what powers my character uses up to chance. So you might roll that all of my character's powers come from the ice suite, or you might roll that this character's powers come from ice and uh, and water. Right. So uh, and each suite has a list of power has a list of other suites that are quote unquote related to it. Mm-hmm. So these are suggestions for places where you might want to look for other powers. Uh, besides the suite that you took, because to, these things complement each other, so electricity and magnetism, uh, for example, complement each other, mm-hmm. uh, and water and wa- water and fire, even though they're opposites, kind of can, that that might be an interesting combination mm-hmm. uh, for people to to look at. So you've got a list of these power suites and also related things uh, that you might take as well uh, with them, and that's part of the, with the volumes, the attempt is to make it so that the volumes are things that are likely to be relevant to one another. So, plant and animal are nature powers, you know, so they're together. Light and shadow are together uh, when they're released. Now, something that the backers of the Kickstarter can do is uh, in addition to just the reward, whatever reward you get for your contribution. So, for example, if you at the $35 level, you get a printed copy of the compilation uh, the, and also all the PDFs. In addition to that, you get a certain number of votes. So depending on how, what level you back at, at the $35 level, for instance, you get 17 votes. And you in the credits, you're listed as a Kickstarter fantastic contributor. Um, and the, it varies based on what level you contribute at.
0: So, so just like just like any good democracy you can kind of buy out the uh the mm-hmm. congress there.
1: Yes. <laughs> the, the, what the votes are for is to determine the order that the pow- of power suites that are going to be released. Now, originally when it, before that we hit stretch goals, we did we didn't even know if all of them would be made. Mm-hmm. So it was also going to determine which ones would actually be made at all. Um, but now it's it's more of determining the order. So at the end, there will be a final tally where we ask the contributors what power suites they want to come out first. And then that will determine the order that they're developed in and come out. The, um, now, I'm probably going to do this week do some preliminary polling of people that back the Kickstarter just to see which way they're leaning so that I can get a head start on developing what's next. But um, the, the the official results will depend on the final tally, and we still have 26 days to go in this Kickstarter, so it's anyone's game at this point.
0: Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, it was really nice to see that you guys hit the, uh, the print goal really quickly because I'm a big fan of uh, the printed books, and I'd like... Uh I always always like to be able to thumb through them. I find it easier to read than the PDFs, although the PDFs are very very searchable, so they're very useful at the table as well. But um so the basic release schedule is going to be you're going to release each of the PDFs as they come out and then once they're all out, you'll compile them into into a print version.
1: Right. And I the 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 hope is is to be able to produce one PDF a month okay. uh, until, until it's all finished. And then put the then compile them all together, and release it all as a compilation. Now, right now, we've passed the two thousand dollars stretch goal, which is a print run. The twenty five hundred dollars stretch goal makes the print run better because it's going to I- include the sample characters in it. So at the at the time, the print run is just to print just the rules, just the powers themselves. Uh, but if the um, Print run hits the twenty five hundred dollar goal. We'll extend it to include these characters in addition to to it. So each power suite's going to have uh, a roughly one character that uh, represents it. So in uh, volume one, there were four sample characters, and vol- each volume after that will probably have two uh, sample characters. And so that's that's adding some significant yeah. uh, amount to it.
0: Looking at the uh, looking at the Kickstarter page, it looks like you're less than 150 dollars away from that. So, get on it, yep. people. Go to go to Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, if I, I wouldn't be opposed to releasing that as a separate release if um, if it turns out that we, it, it doesn't get to that point. But um, I hope it does uh, because we have other stretch goals beyond that that I think will be interesting to people. Uh, For example, at the $3,000 level, the set gets expanded to 17 volumes, which is 40 power suites. Um, uh, At $3,500, there's two different stretch goals. So for people that are backing only the PDF version, uh, they get something at $3,500. However, whatever level you backed it at, however many PDFs you get will add one more to the order. So if you were, for example, getting PDF number one, two, and three, you would get one, two, three, and four if we hit the $3,500 mark for the PDF orderers. At the, for the print orderers at the $3,500 mark, uh, the, pr- the print compilation will get its own unique cover, right? So, so this will be specially commissioned cover art, Separate from the uh, cover art that we're going to have in the uh, actual in the vol- regular volumes so nice. so w- what what I was going to do is use uh, the existing volumes to create a cover but if if we get to the thirty five hundred dollar mark, the cover for, will be its own special cover that's only for this printed edition
0: very cool so um when, uh, one of the things that I've noticed lately is 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 how different people approach Kickstarter's and and, and approach um, you know raising awareness. How how are you um, reaching out to people for your Kickstarter? What tools are you using?
1: So far, I've used Facebook. I've used uh, we have our own web forum, the Bash Web Forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone was. Uh, nice enough to post online about it on uh, I think uh, RPG.net, and I've updated people on there uh, from time to time. Um, I have I have posted myself about it on some other web forums like EN World, and uh, the tr- Troll Lord Games uh, allowed me to make a post on their site about it. But um, yeah, it's been pretty much other people share- sharing and resharing. Google Plus have also used. Okay. Uh, about it. So social media largely uh, has been it, uh, the the way that people have been aware of it. Although I, I am planning maybe on doing so, some pop-up, ad, or not pop-ups, but uh, banner ads and so on.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, I've noticed that um, uh, different people attack the social media different ways. Um, my friend uh, Charlie McKelvey, when he was doing his uh, comic book Kickstarter um, made a point of I can't remember the exact numbers he told me, but uh, he he said that by the t- you know from the time he started the Kickstarter to the time he ended it he'd increased his number of Twitter followers by like I don't know something a, a factor of a hundred I mean he'd gone from like 200 people to like 2,000 or something.
1: I'm kind of curious how he did that. I have been using, I have myself been using Twitter much more. Mm-hmm. since started and actually using hashtags <laughs> in my posts but um yeah I, I yeah i have been using twitter more specifically just as twitter rather than simply just re- retweeting the stuff i put it on put on facebook for example
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's um i i'm i'm kind of watching that i i need to start using twitter more i've been sort of using it as just kind of a, a link to my website <laughs> but um you know it's a um i don't know I'm, I'm a bit of an old fogey when it comes to social media i'm used to bulletin boards and things that i can pay attention to when i want to instead of something that's always trying to get my attention so
1: right
0: <laughs> twitter twitter's a little insistent for me <laughs> yeah. yeah but um man i mean um i've always uh you know ever since i picked up the first uh my, got my first look at Bash. I really liked the guy. Uh, liked your artwork. Then um, in the different books that the artists you've chosen. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I see that there's some art rewards
1: on uh, on the awesome powers. Um, yes. A-
0: Aid Smith is doing some uh, commissions for people. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. So what what happens is that at the fifty dollar level, there are only five five of these slots total, and it looks like. Uh, there are all, there are three of them left, so two people have snagged them already, and uh, this was basically, it's like the $35 package, so you get a copy of the book and all the PDFs, but in addition to that, you get to commission, uh, one, one of your characters gets to make a cameo appearance in the book, so uh, this would be both as text, so your character will be featured in a text example that's used in the book, uh, and the other will be as an illustration, so some illustration in the book is going to feature this character. Um, and that's, that's at that level. So the, the, the character ap- appears in the pages of the book. Very cool.
0: Very cool. And uh, I've, I've uh, actually um, had some work from Aid Smith as well, so I can definitely say he's a super cool guy, and I hope people <laughs> enjoy the artwork and enjoy the, uh, that part of it.
1: Yeah, he did um, art in Awesome Powers Volume One as well. So the, the, the art that's on each power suite has its own uh, illustration uh, mm-hmm. for that power suite, like a its own miniature cover, essentially. Mm-hmm. He did all of those, and also the sample characters. Very cool. Very cool.
0: Okay, um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else we need to cover with the uh, with the Kickstarter? I mean, uh, oh, we should probably tell people where they can find it. Um, so if you want to look, you can you can look for awesome powers on Kickstarter.com. But are there any direct links to it from uh, BashTalk.org or any of your other websites?
1: On, basht- on BashTalk.org, in general discussion, there's a link to it. Um, uh, if you, I found that if you Google "awesome powers Kickstarter," it comes right up as well. Oh, handy! So I'll, I'll check that now. <laughs> Right, hit Awesome Powers Kickstarter, and it's the very first thing when you hit it in Google. Very cool.
0: See, yes, it's not too hard to get to Kickstarter.com and then click on Search and just look for Awesome Powers, and it comes up pretty quickly. That's how I found it. Um, And the
1: complete title is Awesome Powers Power Suites, uh, is the full name of the Kickstarter. But
0: very, very cool. All right. Well, um, so. That's basically the uh, you know now when when did you publish uh originally when did you publish bash how how long i mean this is this is the ultimate edition that this is for when did I the first edition come out
1: the very first original edition came out in I think two thousand four two thousand five um, mm-hmm. I was play testing it before uh, shortly before I got married and published it a, f- a number of months after after the after we got married so it was, yeah, so it probably was two thousand four, maybe early two thousand five that it came out,
0: okay, cool, so it's been about uh see eight years for you guys now so far, Are you coming up on the first ten year anniversary in a couple of oh years?
1: wow, you know i I never even thought of that ten <laughs> year it doesn't feel like it's been very long at all uh that it's been out, it's just been one wild ride the whole time, so.
0: Yeah, that's what, you know, I guess I guess that means that you've been uh, happily busy with it as opposed to, you know, forgetting about it entirely.
1: <laughs> correct, correct. Um,
0: but, uh, yeah, I mean, um, that, that uh, you know, you guys might do... Uh, you might want to start thinking about a 10-year anniversary project.
1: <laughs> I think that sounds like a good idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I know I'd be interested. But, uh, so... Anyway, um, is there now? Now you, I remember originally you had uh, created the Bash uh, role-playing game with the intention of teaching it to
1: uh, uh, was it high school students? You originally. No, these at? were these kids were in elementary school. Oh, actually. elementary school. Okay, that's right. So the fourth, the fourth, and up graders and up. mm mm-hmm. uh, I want there was they wanted me to come up with a game to do with them and. I had previously working in another place. I did basic Dungeons and Dragons with the kids. Mm-hmm. That was that was fine, but this particular and it was very fun. But this particular place had two rules that any games had to be educational in nature and that like specifically academically specific, relevant and that any game. And also that there was, couldn't be any weapons or killing in, involved in anything. So uh, the, so that's when I said, okay, well, superheroes would be the ideal game genre to run with these kids. And at the time, I wasn't aware that there were any easy-to-run superhero games, so I decided to make one. All the things that I had found were really thick, hefty tomes that were very complicated, even for college students. So I decided to make a Simple game for these kids where, and it was educational because the core mechanic is multiplication. You roll 2d6 and multiply it by the stat power or skill you are using, mm-hmm. come up with the final result. And with that, I was able to run this at the program and I play tested it with some adult friends. From my re- regular RPG group, and they just loved it, and said you should publish this, and I s- eventually did. So <laughs>
0: very cool, mm-hmm. and 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 the world's a better place for it. But uh, yeah, I, I've um, it's it's definitely one of these games that uh, clearly looks like it plays fast. I mean, it, it I've, I've played it a couple times with my friends, um, but I've I've got the uh, the dive roll chart in front of me, because you know, being over the age of 25, my multiplication table is a little rusty.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I find that it definitely helps clear those cobwebs as you play. <laughs> yep. Uh, but the the yeah the table on the back it it's nice and colorful. Uh, if you if you if you can roll two d10 and compare the result to a colorful chart and, uh, and that rules light to you, rolling two d6 is not is not any harder. I yeah. guarantee.
0: I remember so. the uh, yeah. It does it does very closely. It does kind of have that that feeling. It's, it's it's a little more detailed than the old like Marvel. Uh, well, yeah, TSR game, but it, it has that kind of same. The colorful, the colors really pop, and that's always nice to have something like that to look at when you're playing
1: the game. And if you if you're just comparing to say a, t- a set difficulty, you don't really need to even be aware of the number that came up. You just have to see what color came up on the chart, and you'll know that it was a success or not, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. cool.
0: All right. So let's um, let's see. We've had you on for about half an hour. Let's switch topics now, if we had. Um, unless there's a, is there anything else about um uh the power suites that you wanted to mention before we move on? Uh
1: not specifically yeah i don't i don't have anything specific about the policy okay. uh,
0: let's talk a bit about honor and intrigue you've you published this um and and i've done a lot with it since i last spoke to you so i haven't really had a chance to to talk to you about it um give us well honor and intrigue is basically a swashbuckling style role-playing setting in game it's 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 like the Three Musketeers. The world of the Three Musketeers brought to life.
1: Yeah, or the Three Musketeers, uh, the Captain Blood. Or if you want to add some supernatural elements to it, it would be you could make it be like Pirates of the Caribbean, or mm-hmm. uh, that that kind of, or, or that, or even the new 3D Three Musketeers, where there's airships and stuff. You could even incorporate that into it because there are airships statted up in the in the. There's a chapter called "Mysteries, Horrors, and Wonders" that basically is an an element of the fantastic that you can add to the campaign if 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 you don't want to run it as a straight historical RPG. And
0: I will admit right now that I'm a huge fan of that new 3D. I didn't see it in 3D, but I I I loved the uh, the uh, the new Three Musketeers movie. It was it was a complete departure from the kind of realistic. Type of setting, but the fun element of it was just—it was a riot.
1: So, yeah, um,
0: that's the yeah. kind of stuff I love to run. So,
1: how does that system work? Clockwork- mm-hmm. That that movie really highlights the clockwork punk potential. Yes, the cabinet in this kind of campaign, and uh, in the mystery horrors and wonders chapter of the book, one of the things that is addressed is clockwork punk inventions. So yeah there's magical traditions and stuff that are in there. so there's sorcery as like a kind of evil bad magic that's written up that's only nPC mostly. Uh, and then there's uh the hermetic disciplines like uh, uh, divination and alchemy and uh, uh, making talismans that regular that pcs can have. But in addition to that, I also have these clockwork punk inventions that you can make. And at lower levels, you're making just things that ordinary, things that existed in the real world that would just be unusual pieces of equipment. So you could, for instance, make a double-barreled pistol if you wanted, which that is a real thing that actually existed. It's not on the standard equipment list, but you could have one uh, if you wanted to uh but higher the higher end stuff like so everything is divided up is to common uncommon rare and unique uh items uh some of the unique items would be things like a full blown airship like you see saw in that movie or uh you could have a mechanical man that is able to walk around and do things or you can have a um uh the philosopher. Oh, that's a, on the alchemy one. Uh, they have a, as a unique item you can make is the philosopher's stone, which you can then use to make other things. But um, yeah, so in the, with the alchemy talismans and the clockwork punk stuff, y- you can make things in various degrees of uh, power in what they can do. So you start out on the low end is like common items. So an al- a common alchemical thing might be insecticide, where like basically stuff you could buy at the drugstore. And then at the high end is, is very fantastical things like the Philosopher's Stone, which you can then use to make the water of life, which you will make it so you don't age or reverses your aging and so on. So there's All kinds of fantastical things that are possible, but this is if you only if the GM wants it. If the GM wants to run a game that is more meant to be a historical fiction, like the Three Musketeers, they can the Dumas Three Musketeers. They can remove those elements as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, and that's why the last chapter of the book it's that's it's meant to be. Saves, the all save. the all the
0: fun optional stuff, and you've got a lot in here. It is it is a pretty hefty tome of, of uh, yes. options. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one so, thing
1: of so course is book I've made. Uh, awesome yeah. Powers will be bigger, but oh, so okay. far, this is the biggest book I've made.
0: So, in uh, one of the things that uh, you have to have when you're dealing with this kind of time period is not just the sword. You know, you you do have the the, the sword play, and I I love the section on all the different styles of sword fighting you know how you talk about all the different s- styles of sword fighting that was great but um, one of the things that uh, you have to have in here is the kind of political intrigue and yeah and uh, you know you have all the the scenes of seduction and things like that how does does this game ha- you know handle that significantly differently from from combat or is it is it has does it have its own set of rules?
1: It does have its own set of rules, so there is um, uh, so quote unquote social combat rules in it so that you can do run these intrigue type things where uh, it could be a, some something as simple as a negotiation or a seduction or, or what have you, where the, uh, every character, aside from their life, which is represented as life called lifeblood instead of hit points. Uh, they also have something called composure that you can essentially wear someone down uh, with. So once someone loses all their composure, depending on depending on the type of interaction you're having, there's a set result. So, for example, if someone is if you're doing a seduction and the the target of the seduction loses all composure, you win them over. But if if you lose the contest. It means that you're you're rebuffed or you you go away or or what have you, um, or a negotiation falls through or what have you. And there's usually a time frame in which you have to complete this. And if the time frame goes by, then and it's not complete, then you it fa- that your task fails. And so yeah, it's it is run somewhat akin to a combat, but it's it's its own thing. Uh, you can of course though do the witty banter and uh, intimidation and that kind of stuff in combat. So there are also rules for using repartee in combat uh, so that you can try and demoralize your opponent that you're fighting rather than focus on specifically just just killing him. You might try and get under his skin so that it, it weak it kind of puts him off his game so it makes it easier for you to fight him.
0: Always a good thing. So, what's your um? What what's your favorite style of character to play in that setting?
1: Oh boy, uh, favorite swashbuckling characters. I I do for some. I, I really like to play combat characters, so I, I tend to. And this is in just any game system. I tend to play the um, the the swordsman or. I also do like to play every once in a while a ranged combatant. So uh, one of my favorite characters is a um, crossbowman, right? But there's also a a musketeer that I'm fond of playing. And and when I say musketeer, I mean he actually uses the musket, not a sword. Um, And then there's... But I also do play swordsman uh, quite a bit as well.
0: Very cool, yeah. And... All those options are in here and more. One of the things I did like is that you have a. It was a very short discussion, but um, the discussion of uh, the role of women in the time period and also in in the game. And I like how you pointed out that there were indeed um, pirate uh, women, pirates in the in the time period, and mm-hmm. you know people uh, and and frequently in in both history and in uh, literature, uh, women would disguise themselves as men and um, either join the military or, or somehow go on adventures. And as I recall, um, this was during one of uh, uh, Napoleon's campaigns. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, and a, a troop of his, one of, one of his troops was actually rebuffed by a group of all-female snipers Hmm. And I can't remember the name of the town, but uh, so the role of women should not be overlooked and they should not be just seen as window dressing in these games.
1: Oh, no. And that's the point I make is that uh, people say, well, we have to have sexism in the game to make it historically accurate. uh, So for the game to be accurate, all all the PCs have to be male or something. But or they, that they can't be combat characters. And I said, well, you know, realistically, there were lots of women who who thought, found that that was restrictive and boring, and they wanted to break out of that mold themselves. And so, I gave a number of historical examples of not just female pirates, but female duelists, uh, and and more uh, that were from history. All right. So Lamopan, Pan, for example, was a historical female duelist uh, in the reign of Louis the 14th. And, uh, but the, I also give examples from literature as well, uh, or from movies and so on of female lead characters. So yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I personally, I think it would be silly to have it be limited in that, in that fashion. Right? Uh, j- just for the sake of historical accuracy when the, the and that's another thing about the game is when historical trying to be historically accurate and being fun and and kind of embracing the more hollywood swashbuckling are at loggerheads within one another i tend to say lean towards the hollywood end rather than the historical accuracy end on on most things so uh, if you want to have your if you want to have your uh, your character be a female musketeer, that's fine. Or if you want to have your character uh, be, um, if you want to have your character be uh, a woman, a woman who's uh, in a, the world's greatest inventor or something, that's fine too. Right? So you, you shouldn't need to feel pigeonholed uh, in in creating your character for the game. No, I, I do give that as an option, though. If you, if you want to play in a game where prejudice is... If, you, if the player wants to play in a game where prejudice is an extreme element in the, in the campaign, and the table, the people at the table want to do this, then that is an option, but um, it's not the, the default setting.
0: So one of the, the sidebars that uh, I liked, um, it was kind of a short discussion. I don't know if you remember writing it, but um, there's a discussion in here... That's titled "Why don't we just kill him?" Yeah, <laughs> and I actually liked that discussion a lot. Um, what are some of the reasons? I mean, in, in a lot of games, players run into a situation where we know who the bad guy is. Why don't we just take him out now? And yep. um, in 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 different settings, you have different answers to that. Um, in this setting, what is what are some of the some of the answers to that problem?
1: Uh- well I give I give the example of the mus- the three musketeers know that richelieu is, is in some way an opponent of theirs all right and depending on if you're watching a movie uh richelieu depending on the movie richelieu richelieu varies from antagonistic to most evil man on the face of the earth so like the Tim Curry version uh, is thoroughly evil for example but um it, it Answers for why they can't just kill the cardinal would be: it depend it is for one, he is the head of he he is the uh, head of the government. He's the he is the, the prime minister of the country. So they'd be essentially doing a political assassination if they killed him. There would be hefty consequences for that. He's a personal friend of the kings, for example. Uh, so the the. PCs would at best be fugitives from justice and at worst be broken on the wheel and executed. So, uh, there is that there's the fact that it would be murder to just go up and kill him. Uh, like that. He is a priest after all, he's, he's not a combatant. Uh, and he, uh, it, 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 he is seen by the people as a leader who is a good person. So, the p c s may know that he's bad, but the society doesn't know that he's bad right so uh, the the consequences could be dire, but the other thing is that's not what heroes do. Heroes don't go around committing murders to uh, solve their problems. They might combat the forces of evil, but they don't you know become evil themselves by going and committing murders.
0: <laughs> that's true. And in this kind of a setting, there's a lot of um, intrigue going on. I mean, a lot of the times you're never confronting your an opponent directly anyway. You're often um, dealing with the 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 fallout from their decisions, from the political decisions they make. So um, if you want to make your game a little more detailed, you can even kind of keep that villain a secret. But I think uh, one of the things that Three Musketeers did so well was you knew... Who the villain was, and you and you saw his machinations, but you, you know, the heroes couldn't directly step in.
1: Right, it, it wasn't nice their place. Of- they they were musketeers in the king's service, and their main job in the main thing they're supposed to do is fight in, in the wars that the king wants them to fight, and that's what their actual official job is. Mm-hmm. The, the, all this intrigue and getting caught up in stuff with finding the queen's diamonds and stuff—that is all. Second to what their actual job is, Mm -hmm. the setting. So that that's like what they're doing in their time off, basically.
0: Yep. So a couple of a couple of things that uh, are um, very very important to these kind of action genres um, that you cover, uh, I've seen covered pretty well in the book. Um, You cover, of course, um, chase scenes. um, You cover ships. I, I like the details on the ship combat and the, the, you know, um, explaining like how a galleon is laid out and um, the details there. It's always nice when somebody uh, has all of the information at their fingertips and this is a really uh, there's a a lot of good content in this book. I I, I would even hazard to say that uh, even if you weren't running this system, you'd find a lot in here that'd be useful. A lot of research in here
1: well uh, people people have used it for instance in their barbarians of Lemuria campaign if they wanted to just add the add the ship ship to ship or the um, or or the mass combat or the sword fighting system to it they, they've used it for that uh, someone actually used it they homebrewed a um, uh, sword and planet campaign <laughs> and another another person has licensed the use of the system to publish a, a um a uh, red planet campaign uh for for use with it
0: sounds very much like uh john carter of mars it's
1: it's not quite this one is it's spec it it mentions that if uh, one of the taglines is if Mars has canals on it, then it must have Venice, and so it's basically a—it's—it's it's like a Baroque period um, on Mars uh, is the setting uh, that that it's going with. But yeah, and that, it's been licensed for that, and that's under development. Cool, cool. But, mm-hmm.
0: There's also a lot of information here about the different countries, uh, the different right. nations. In the time periods that uh, this fiction kind of covers,
1: yeah, and it, in fact, um, that's one of the things that we're kind of expanding a little bit in the next module, next adventure module that's going to be coming out called "The Sorcerer of Valupa." The heroes it it's, takes place in a sultanate, so the heroes are um, on a voyage from commissioned by the sultan to rescue his daughter who's been kidnapped by a sorcerer. And so, there are going to be scimitar fighting styles and uh, other things that are added with a more of an Arabian knights type feel to it uh, that that will show up. And it, it mentions in there that you can choose to set this in the post-gunpowder world. Have Velupa, I mean, have have the Sultanate be part of the uh, Ottoman Empire in some way, or you can alternatively. Pull, do pull over Britannia, where you, or or a Florin or Gilder, where you take this fictional country and jam it into the real world somewhere, and use that do that with the Sultanate as well. And you could choose to set it in medieval times. You could choose to set it in post uh, a post gunpowder era if you want to. Yeah, it's up to you. Very cool. So, uh, um. And another one, another one that's on the horizon that's it's not really that far developed yet is a Adventures in Sherwood campaign uh, for, for Honor and Intrigue.
0: I'm sure my brother will jump on that. He's a big <laughs> fan of uh, he's a big fan of the Robin Hood uh, storyline, the legends and history around it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very and cool. the, the Errol Flint that Errol Flynn movie is what got me interested in swashbuckling in the first place. It's been that's been one of my favorite movies since I was uh, ten years old. So that's a
0: great flick. We've got the Blu-ray. We love it. <laughs> the,
1: the shadow sword fight on the wall scene is one of the best scenes. Yes, that sword fights in any movie. That <laughs> that and uh, another one with Basil Rathbone, of course, being the court jester the, with the drinking the water. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <If> your permission.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, um. Now, um, a little bit of history about the uh, Honor and Intrigue game, um, and just for people looking for it on RPG now. In case you're you're, you're looking for it, it, you're not actually going to type the the word and, right? You're going to type honor and then plus a
1: plus, uh-huh. because in the t- in the title, the plus is the cross on the musketeer uniform, right. so. Right. It, it's this pl- cross with a, some fleur-de-lis on it. And that's that's what it is. So the, and instead of an anfrasand, for sand, uh, I did it as a plus sign. Cool. So
0: what is the relationship between Unarned Intrigue and uh, the Barbarians of Lemuria? And uh, if people haven't heard of that, a little background on that game.
1: So Barbarians of Lemuria was a um, sword and sorcery role-playing game by Simon Washburn uh, that... It's kind of an adaptation of a Conan or more specifically Thongar of Lemuria uh, uh, sword and sorcery. And it's, it's a very simple system. So I first encountered this when it was available free online uh, as a, as a, like a 10 or 12 page download. uh, And I knew Simon from uh, various message boards uh, and I, I, amongst many other people, I'm sure, uh, said you should publish this as a as a full on role playing game, and so it eventually you did get done. And l- later on, I ended up asking him if I could license it to make it as a swashbuckling game. Originally, it was going to be uh, a collaboration, but I ended up just licensing l- licensing it to do it solo. But anyway, the the game system is. Uh, very simple, you roll 2d6 if you add your quality and your... or In, in uh, Barbarians of Lemuria, they're called abilities, but I, I call them qualities. Uh, add your stat and your combat ability or add the stat and the career together. Roll 2d6 if the result is 9 or more, then you succeed. Uh, you can The, the thing I, I think is the true genius of the system is the way that the skills work is it has a, um, instead of different skills like, like uh, hide, move silently, climb, all these different things on a list that you can do, it has thief or hunter or sailor as careers that you can take for your character, and you put points into those. And so whatever a sailor can do, you can do by adding your rank in sailor to your role. Right. so, if you have two ranks in sailor, you could use that to climb to climb uh, up the mast. You can use that to hear hear rumors in the in the tavern by the sea. You can use ranks and sailor to to know some kind of sea lore or and, and things of that nature. So uh it's more than just useful for these individual little miniature skills it's It's useful for all kinds of different things. Uh, now, something that I added on there uh, is that these skills, if there's a tie on initiative, your uh, career is what breaks the tie. So, for example, if you're tied ta- and you only roll 1d6 plus your savvy in honor and intrigue, so there are a lot of ties on initiative. But whatever career is most relevant to the task at hand is the one that wins the ties. So, for instance, if you're fighting on the side, on the deck of a ship, whoever has the most ranks in sailor will break any ties when they're in combat. Whereas if you're fighting in the forest, whoever has the most ranks in hunter would win any ties on initiative.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I like the uh, I like the the feeling that that gives you too, because. Um, in this kind of a setting, uh, you will find characters who are very much defined by their job, uh, as much as by you know their their role in the story. I mean, people so society had very specific needs from each of the, the people uh, that would do a job. You know, you had you had the, the the musketeer, and you know you had of course the spy or the assassin and mm-hmm. the soldiers and and then sailors the these people all you know spent a
1: lifetime earning these careers and they would be very oh. much defined by them now is there but a- you have multiple careers though so yeah, I was
0: just about to ask gets
1: that it's four of them and the way that they're assigned is you write them down in um chronological order of when your character had that career so while you're making your character you're not just buying your careers you're also telling your character's history because you're saying well first first my character was a soldier and then be, then because he was so disgusted with uh man's inhumanity to man he decided to become a doctor so he becomes a physician uh and then uh, as a doctor he treats the wrong person uh and is convicted of a crime and he's sold as a slave into barbados and so but from there he leads this uh, slave revolt that steals a ship and he becomes a pirate on the high seas. So the character's careers go from uh, soldier to physician to uh, slave to, um, uh, to pirate. Uh, through So you're telling this character's story, not just picking the careers.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
1: it's, just, just pulling this out,
0: because it did kind of jump out at me when I was reading through them, um, tell tell the audience, what, what kind of advantages would the slave career give someone?
1: Um, well, it, you mean – so – and each career has multiple different alternatives. So there, there's slave slash serf slash prisoner mm-hmm. It's one career. And the, the types of things that that would be beneficial for is being able to endure lack of food, uh, being able to endure – uh, doing long hard labor, being able to in uh, maybe hide things on your person, right, uh, like weapons, but also being able to just palm things or hide things on your person, uh, being able to endure um, uh, difficult difficult conditions like sickness sickness or lack lack of sufficient clothing and so on. So being able to put up with a lot of things uh, would would be entailed there, but also being able to hide things, how to avoid notice, uh, how to be inconspicuous while standing in plain sight, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Cool, cool. So, it's, um, yeah, I I like the fact that uh, these become your history as well as your as your, uh, as your tools throughout the game. It it, it really helps with the storytelling aspect of character creation. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. what was your favorite part of the book to write I mean there's so much in here
1: oh gosh Uh, probably (laughs) I I probably would say either the secret societies uh, the mystery horrors and wonders chapter or the um, the sword the the, the, um, dueling styles were probably my favorite parts to write that and the dueling system itself
0: I would get so distracted on the research I'd probably forget to buy the book or write the book rather. I would be like,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so many cool things that I love about that period in history. There's so much going on. <laughs> Excuse me. So, a little bit about the magic. I mean, this is something that's mostly
1: for the villains, right? But, um uh, sorcery. Sorcery is supposed to be for villains and. So there's a difference between sorcery and um, what I call the hermetic arts. So the hermetic arts would be things like alchemy, making talismans, and um, divination. And those are things that people who in real life styled themselves as magicians would do. Uh, So John Dee, for example, was interested in this divination and and so on. Uh, So there were real people who did those things. And believed that they were actually actually had an effect on the world and so on. Uh, and also, I, I should point out, they believed that those were good things that they were doing. They believed that it was, for example, the whole purpose of alchemy was to, if you could make the philosopher's stone, it would prove that your own soul was purified. So you're you're changing a base metal into gold, but but in so doing, that it's the journey itself that's important because you're purifying yourself. Right? so if you're getting to know the creation of the world better so there's those types of magic that are considered society has more tolerance for and then, but then there's sorcery sorcery is absolute uh, evil All right? so by default sorcery is like the dark side of the force in a sense that it's quicker, easier uh, much more flash to it so a sorcerer can make a fireball or a sorcerer can someone shoots shoots a sorcerer he can touch the wound and instantly heal himself. That's an unnatural power right, that he has mm-hmm. whereas someone who is a, a magician right? someone who is a uh, uses alchemy or makes talismans what he can do with the talismans is he might have a talisman that helps ward bullets from you that makes so you take less damage when you get shot but he can't just insta-heal you uh, with his talismans, right? Because that would be an unnatural thing. But there is also a sidebar on if you, if you, if the PCs absolutely want to be sorcerers and the GM wants to allow it, that uh, you can adapt them so that uh, you might be, I have ice magic or I have fire magic or, or something of that nature. Very cool,
0: very cool. So, now that I'm ready to get up and go play the game, uh, what, <laughs> aside, from, aside from a bunch of willing players, what, uh, what, what are players going to need? It looks like just uh, a couple of D6s.
1: Yeah, a couple of D6s. There is a sample adventure out, uh, if anyone wants to check it out, called Escape from Castle Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's basically it's meant to be a in- thing to initiate an entire campaign if you want to do a pirate campaign. Uh, it starts out with the PCs on a prison and having to get off this prison island and get their own ship as part of it.
0: Cool. Now, is um, Honor and Intrigue available in print yet, or is it strictly uh, PDF?
1: It is in print. Um, you can get it on the Indie Press Revolution website. Okay. And which the- And if your friendly local game store does business with IPR, you can order the book through them store and I also I should point out basic action games has a bits and mortar program where if you buy if you buy a hard copy of the book uh, from FLGS we uh, will supply you with a PDF if you supply us with the proof of purchase excellent
0: all right well Chris um, I don't want to keep you for the rest of the evening but I did want to thank you very much for stopping by and talking to us is there anything you want? Do you want to mention before I uh, send you off here?
1: Um, just that our uh, Kickstarter is doing well, but you can make it do better. Um, so yep. we'll pledge away, and looking forward to seeing how it does.
0: Well, I just want to thank you, Chris, for stopping by, spending some time with us, and I hope everybody enjoyed the uh, insight into Honor and Intrigue. I think uh, I think people will really enjoy the book if they take a look at it. There's a lot to love in there, and of course the Bash. Uh, Kickstarter, the Awesome Powers Kickstarter. Uh, Chris, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. And uh, to everyone listening, once again, stay vigilant.